Hi there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to the latest episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host for the day, Alistair Clark, and I'm joined by my brother in the Force, after meeting him for the very first time last week, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. (laughs) And so, yeah, we had a great time last week, and we were so fortunate in that through um, connections of the Jedi Council, we were invited into the Disney offices in London. Dave, can you describe just how amazing it was? Oh, um, well, it, it was impromptu for a start, which I think is a great thing. Um, you already work in London. Alex already works in London. Um, well, you live in London. Um, but I, I'm I'm up north and in, in Manchester, but for work, I was having to travel down to London. So we did, we'd already agreed that we we're going to try and meet up and have a couple of drinks. But then I think it was whilst I was actually on the train, on, on the train down, got a, a, a message through from Alex saying, do we want a tour of Disney? And it was like, do bears do their poopy in the woods? It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, yes, yes, of course we do. Um, and so then for the rest of the journey down there, it was just like, wow, going to see Disney. Um, it, it was just phenomenal. Um so we were given a bit of a guided tour around a few different floors in the building. Um, and I must admit, I, I don't know about you, Ali, uh, but I was I was like a, a kid in a sweet shop. It was yeah. just... Uh, okay, I'm, obviously, my, we've got a major focus around uh, Star Wars, but there was also... There was Marvel, there was Pixar, there was um, Pirates of the Caribbean... Um, Some adult films as well, wasn't well, there? We were surprised to remember. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so the the Vista um, brand. Yeah. So, um, what, what? Well, there was Die Hard. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a Disney movie, <laughs> which right, as far away from what you think of Disney as you can you could probably get. Yeah. Um, Sister Act, I think, was another one. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, um, it, it was just. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a an eye opener for me because I've I think I've, I've I, don't, I don't know if I've necessarily said this to you before, Ali, but I've definitely said it to Alex. I'd always considered Disney historically to be more of a of a female focused brand, right? Because the the what I saw as pure Disney were things like the Disney princess style cartoons, and so. For me, it, it, that's what I see as the the Disney marketing machine, and that's that's where it, it churns out its movies. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then with the purchase of Pixar, with the purchase of Marvel, and obviously the purchase of, of Lucasfilm, um, for me that's become it's transitioned into more of a of a. And, and this is sounds awful now because it, it, I'm stereotyping boys and girls here, and I, and I really shouldn't do that because I think Star Wars is for either. And I think um, looking backwards now as a mature adult, um, I think the the Disney princess, for want of a better word, cartoons, which would include things like the Snow White, the classic Snow White. It would include the Cinderellas. It would include the more recent um, um, Pocahontas. Um, I would say that. That their stereo, they're, not stereo, that they're um, good role models for children 
whether boys or girls. Um, and but to to go back to where I was going to with with the purchase of the likes of Pixar, with the purchase of Marvel, and with the purchase of of Lucasfilm, for me, I saw a shift in the brands to try and focus more holistically across all sexes, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it does. Uh, Absolutely. Um, but it was, yeah, it was an eye-opener to actually wander around and to actually be reminded that a lot of the films maybe that I grew up with, because I don't, I don't necessarily see Buena Vista that much anymore as a brand of making movies. No. Um, but a lot of the movies that, for me, I, I were watching maybe as a young adult, um, 15, 16, 18, 20, what have you, they were Buena Vista ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, that's Disney. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I mean, I've, I've been to the LinkedIn offices in London, which are renowned for having amazing themed rooms such as Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, and they are absolutely insane. But going to Disney, it was different. I you, I felt the Disney magic around you. You could see um, desks full of artwork. And, I, and Dave, as we as we were having a tour of the office, actually, and I think I think maybe we should talk about the Star Wars rooms and and the props, what well, props sort of things that we saw. But the the artwork on people's desks, it was insane, oh. wasn't it? Going back and remembering those posters that you kind of are out your mind a bit now. But some of yeah. the artwork for a particular Rogue One was beautiful. Oh God, yeah, it's striking. It really is. It's it, it was stunning artwork, but and and the color palettes that they used on some of that artwork, um, similarly with Solo in a way, because like yeah. bright orange features quite heavily in the artwork and in in the the collateral that went with rope, uh, with Solo, and, and yeah, you forget about things like that. You forget about the imagery that associated with with the movies. Um, for for me, like the solo one is more the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties westerns yeah. style artwork. But looking at the the Rogue One artwork, it was more the nineteen seventies war movies, the the, the ones on the nineteen eighties war movies that were looking back at Vietnam. It was that style of of poster. Was, yeah, I love the the contrast of the blue and the 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 foreground and the background. I just thought yes. it was really really beautiful and and it was it was actually quite nice to go back and look at it and for those of you that follow us on um the, our twitter feed you can see an actual video of the room which dave hopefully you're going to describe now <laughs> oh uh, so as as uh, ali just hinted there are a number of different themed rooms within disney's uh, london hq and they're, they're meeting rooms for the most part. Um, and you walk in and, and okay. So, so the star Wars one, you walk in and you, you, you go through a normal door. So you'd have no idea what's on the other side of the door. And as you walk in, you're faced with three life-sized stormtroopers um, from the, the rebels era cartoon. So they've, they've got that slightly rounded bubbleness of the, the stormtroopers from the, the rebels cartoons. And, and that's what's greeting you on the other side of the room, um, up against the window looking out across London, or a part of London at least. Um, and then if you 
look to I'll, I'll look to my my right first so if you look to your right the the, the walls are painted white and gray to look like the inside of an imperial um, ship, whether that's a, a, a Star Destroyer, whether that's the, the Death Star. It's, it's that type of paint job that, that's been done to all the walls. The table is pure white, but we've um, Star Wars embossed into the table, um, throughout the table. Um, obviously, it's a meeting room, so the, you've got the screens that you would have in a, in a typical meeting room for video conferencing or for, for sharing uh, presentations or, or content but then if you look to your left so so we've done straight ahead you've got the, the stormtroopers if you look to your right you've got this what looks like the inside of a of an imperial spaceship but if you look to your left you have the most stunning mural um which seems to almost be set within a frame so it looks a little bit like you're inside the ship and yep. you're looking down the corridor. So, so it's slightly framed to, to make it look like it's, it's going narrower so that you're going into a corridor. And you've got Kylo Ren as a mural, lightsaber ignited with what must be half a dozen or so stormtroopers around him moving forward, almost like advancing into the room. It just looks, it's all life-size, so life-size Kylo Ren, life-size Stormtroopers walking into the room. It is, it is amazing. Yeah, uh, and, and, uh, yeah there's no way you could do any work if, you, if I worked in the offices. <laughs> and there's a huge Star Wars logo on the table, this crisp white yes. table gloss when you, when you walk in. It's just, I don't know, it was, it was, it was, it was a very... It was just something which kind of made you think, gosh, I wish I worked somewhere like here, even if you wouldn't oh, get any work done. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. If if I could if I could work from home more and set up my own um, workspace um, office in the house, that's how I'd decorate it. My wife would murder me, but that's how I'd decorate it. <laughs> <laughs> And we, we were treated to a real tour of the office, as, as Dave said. But um, downstairs, there was a real treat for us, wasn't there? And again, there's a picture on our Twitter feed, the Jedi underscore council, of us in the Millennium Falcon. I know. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like a little breakout area, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and they have the full-sized, proper, full-sized working cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And by working, Dave means working, as in the uh, gear stick for or throttle controls worked. Yes. Steering worked. Everything moved. Little Incredible. toggle buttons. Yeah. Um, there was even something that looked a bit like a. a yeah, there was something that looked like a flux capacitor from um, Back to the Future that we'd never seen before. I know. I need to have another look now to see if that would, would yeah, which films that might be in. It was just oh, <laughs> stunning! It was it was so cool, and of course uh, next to him there was some um, life-size models, and and it felt like pretty real costumes of Kylo Ren, which looked unbelievable, and Ray really took my eye as well. But that was um, stunning that that yeah. was a costume. I'm certain that was a costume. It looked like it was fabric. It didn't look like it was a model. Yeah. No, definitely. You kind of you kind of did wonder if it was a prop on the film that didn't get used. It looked that good, didn't it? It did. Yes. 
Um, and there was a Phasma, a Stormtrooper, um, and a Death Trooper. Yes, there was a Death Trooper as well from Rogue One. So I think we're saying, basically, if you have a connection and you're in London and have time to spare, definitely try and get yourself into the Disney uh, offices because it's something you'll you'll remember forever. It's It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was. And, and all I can say is thank you to Disney for making my dream come true. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'd, oh, it's like I said, just like you're walking around and you, you see – you just see random collections of of um, previously released and used um, artwork or um, um, pause, point of sale material that you might find if you go shopping in a supermarket or or in um, a, a, a toy shop or have you. So things like life-size cutout cardboard cutout of uh chewbacca so so that that's that's point of sale pause uh, style things um there were things like that but then there were also um collections of the actual merchandise the 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 the, the collectibles themselves that have obviously Disney get a copy of or, or Disney have maybe when they're product testing or when they're looking at taking promotional shots of it, maybe before it's released. Um, and, and yeah, it was just the, our tour guides were very good to allow us to, to touch some of these things. Obviously there were things that, that said, please do not touch, but, but the things that we could touch, we were allowed to pick up and maybe, maybe maybe look at yeah. um i remember a really like cool yes oh the, the art i've yes i've not seen the art so i don't i've not seen it out on sale anywhere so i don't know if that's yeah i don't know if that's <laughs> i don't know if that's been released yet or if that's that's something that they're working on at the moment or or because i can't remember seeing that if, well let's not yeah. describe it just in case we got ourselves yeah. into yeah 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 Mara would want that (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly Mara if you come over here we'll try and get you in there and and have a look at it but um talking about Disney it was quite a big landmark last week um so Disney bought Lucasfilm six years ago last week um and of course it's been described by many people as one of the smartest acquisitions ever made in corporate America the deal was worth $4.05 billion in cash and stock and really marked the start of a new era in the Star Wars franchise. Um, but in just a few short years, Disney have made most of that money back. The four feature films have grossed more than $4.8 million at the box office, and that doesn't account for the uh, promotional materials around it and all of the sort of licensing and toys and novelizations and comics and video games that have come out of it. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's an exciting time when you look back at it, Dave. Can you remember how you felt the day when it was announced that Star Wars was back, but also yeah. that it came back with a new owner and perhaps some trepidation that it was going to become a little bit too Mickey Mouse? Um, so this is this was 2012. So um, I do I remember it well because Alex and myself were discussing it as it happened. 
Um, Do you know, I was discussing it with Alex as it happened too. It's bizarre, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pair of us both knew Alex and, and yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, small world, isn't it? Um, but, yeah. I think Alex, okay, so without putting words into Alex's mouth here, Alex is a bit of a Disney ophile. That's probably the best way of phrasing it, really. He's um, there right now. <laughs> he is there again. Uh, there again. I think we, you know, we need to stress that. Um, again, you've probably seen on our Twitter feed today, um, there's been uh, a few uh, posts been put up of the types of things he's seen out there. But, yeah, he, he loves Disney. And so with the news breaking, for him, it was like, wow, amazing, fantastic. And... I'm not saying that I didn't feel that. Um, I think I've, I've, I've just said, I mean, for me, looking backwards at Disney, Disney didn't, I didn't realise that Disney resonated with me because I wasn't, I didn't, never really connected the Buena Vista bit. But Disney itself and the brand Disney, for me, had not been something that I'd massively bought into. Um, I, I'd never been a massive fan of, of Mickey. Sorry about that. Um, and, a lot of the cartoons, except for, for where the Pixar ones have started coming in with the likes of Toy Story and Cars and things like that. Historically, again, I'd, I'd not really had that much engagement with the other cartoons, other than some of the, the, the really early ones, such as The Jungle Book. So I wasn't filled with the massive, warm, fuzzy feeling maybe that Alex got from that. Yeah. But, but I was aware of the fact that Disney and Lucasfilm were already quite close bedfellows in that um, there were Disney, there, there, there were Lucasfilm, Star Wars particularly, um, pieces and things within the Disney um, theme parks. Yeah. So what was Star, was it Star Tours and things like that? Yeah. So, yeah, so so I was aware that there was already they they were already close, and I was aware of the fact that there was some affection between the two brands and some synergy. There've been mashups where you used to get Mickey Mouse dressed as Luke Skywalker, and, and I think it might have been um, Pluto or somebody dressed as Darth Vader. So so that type of thing for me, I, I was aware of in the background. So I wasn't. I know I know some people maybe were more concerned than I were. Um that oh they're gonna Disneyfy it, they're gonna make it something that's that it's not. Um so I, I was aware of that that type of press knocking about and that type of sentiment knocking about. But for me it, it didn't worry me that Disney had bought it. It I, I wasn't shouting from the rooftops amazing. Because yeah. I didn't know what, because at that time they, they didn't immediately release that there was going to be new films. The, the, there was probably a few days before the, the news started to come out that that they were going to be releasing more movies. They were going to look at because the first things I saw really with the Disney acquisition was cancellation of Clone Wars, um, sale the the, the the disbanding of um, Lucas Arts. Which was their their uh, game company, game design company. So, for me, I was actually a little bit nervous, not because of it becoming Disneyfied, 
but because they were ending things which for me had been the only link to the to the the Star Wars movies that I'd had and, and grown up with. Mm. Um, so I just saw them cancelling things initially. It was like, oh, what are they doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's that's really interesting because um, my my memory of it is is slightly different because I I remember the headline on the BBC website being that we were going to have a new film coming out in 2015 and a new trilogy, but it might, it might've been a day or two afterwards. Um, but I just straight away, it, it just took me back to 2005 and watching the last film and thinking, this is it. This yeah. is the last star Wars. This is as good as it gets for me. I'm never going to have this experience ever again. So yeah. I watched it a number of times because I was so worried I'd never get to anything again. I remember um, when the Clone Wars came out. I, I don't know if you went to the cinema to watch the feature, but I did. I didn't. No, didn't. So I, w- I went to that. I think I saw that two or three times in the cinema. And basically, all I wanted to see was the crawl and hear the music mm. in a cinema setting. And my little brother, who was ten years younger than me, so I'd have been nineteen, twenty. He'd have been about ten. I wanted him to have that Star Wars experience because, yeah. again, I thought we'd never get it. And then I remember thinking when when the news broke that oh my, happen it's going to happen it's going to happen, and I, I remember really considering in 2015 going over to France because they got it a day early to go and watch it because <laughs> I was that excited and I thought oh it's only a quick trip across. Uh, then I realised my complete lack of French might might be a problem with that. Um, yes, <laughs> but um, but I was just. I was so excited, and it's it's very funny actually because if you think about it, um, uh, being um, being truthfully and honest, you're a much bigger Star Wars collector and a fan, so your immediate response is is to look at things more in detail, as perhaps happened with the Last Jedi, indeed, where you sort of saw, oh no, they're closing this and this isn't happening. Whereas for me, who as a consumer was really only interested in film and cartoon at that point wasn't really yeah. aware of the expanded universe to any large degree i knew it was out there but didn't know much about it to me it was it was just the best thing that had ever happened um well i, I suppose at the same time there was the awareness that disney are buying it they must be about to make more films yeah because you're not gonna you're not gonna buy it and then do nothing with it so there was there was the announcements that this is a new life for for star wars for lucasfilm so it wasn't entirely like, oh, they're closing this to close, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that that was the immediate thing that we saw coming out of it. Yeah. Because um, I, I was shocked that they, they cancelled the Clone Wars just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, here we are in 2018 and they've realised that was a mistake and we're, we're going to get more of it. So, mm. so it's good to see they rectified that mistake. But it's good that you also oh, mentioned yeah. about the theme parks because um, – I think I think we discussed on the podcast before. You've got two young children of your own. Mm. When the theme parks are eventually built, and and sorry, Batu, it will be built out in California and in Orlando, and eventually some version of it in Paris. We're not quite sure what. How much would you love to take your children to a Star Wars land? <sighs> yes. Um, well, strangely enough, when we did our um, Disney tour last. Thursday night, yeah, yeah, a week ago, not quite a week ago. Um, we went for a couple of beers afterwards and a, and 
a chat just as a big catch up um, actually a chance to to get to know you a bit better rather than just just speaking to you on a on a, uh, a podcast yep. um that was really cool to be fair to, to get to meet you so oh, i'm really glad, that happened. Really <laughs> glad that happened and we definitely uh, dropped more than alex i have to say so i was glad to see that yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> he's not here to we, defend we, himself <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it says him right for not being here uh, but we we were um, discussing holidays, just generally holidays, uh, and neither you nor Alex have children. Neither does um, fair. Um, neither does Mara. Actually, I don't think. Um, so um, uh, yeah, having children, you realise just how expensive holidays are. Um, and it's, it's not just the actual, the destination and the hotel or or what have you, or wherever you're staying. It's also all the, the traveling, um, and the cost of travel. So my kids so far, um, almost 12, almost nine have never actually left the United Kingdom. Um, just because for us to, to holiday and for us all to holiday together and for us to get a couple of weeks away, um, it just becomes extortionate with the way that travel companies bump up the price during summer holidays and, and bump up the price of the accommodation, bump up the cost of flights. Um, so you're really penalised for actually having children, um, which I know it's my choice, so it serves me right. Uh, <laughs> it, do, it does, but yeah, you, I'd love to be able to take them somewhere like that. Love to be able to. I just... Even now, I, I, yeah, I shudder at the price. Because um, I'm looking at flights to Orlando in the middle of summer with family of four, where my kids are taking up what's effectively adult seats. I'm, I'm looking at eight hundred, nine hundred pound a person just to fly out there. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, you've then got uh, accommodation somewhere to stay for let's say one to two weeks you might be looking at another eight eight hundred to, to grand and a half so you start to look at a holiday that's that's approaching four thousand yeah definitely and parks are a hundred plus dollars a day so you know yeah. it's super it's super expensive compared to what we pay for theme parks over here and, and definitely much more expensive than um even disneyland paris so yeah you, you might you might get a fantastic holiday out of it but oh, it's yeah. a massive investment massive investment and and i i do have a wife who doesn't buy into star wars doesn't buy into she's not a, a movie person um so the idea of doing all the theme parks with my wife is uh, it's about as far away from a relaxing holiday as she could get. So again, that plays into the reason that, well, why would we spend £4,000 for something that my wife wouldn't actually get any enjoyment out of? Yeah. As but sad as that sounds. The land itself and the rides and apparently each experience on the millennium falcon will be personalized and i don't know oh. if you've had a chance to look at some of the recent pictures of the parks going up it just looks have, insane i've drooled i've drooled oh. I've, I, I remember responding to um um 
a a a Twitter. Um, oh, can't remember his name. Sorry. Um, anyway, I was I was responding to a Twitter post um, and a Facebook post um, by someone I know, and they'd taken or they they've managed to get their hands on some aerial photos of. Um, the, the theme park still being built and you you can see the skeleton of the Millennium Falcon and yeah it just looks phenomenal yeah I can't I can't wait I, I you know I I don't have kids but even to me I think it's it's incredibly expensive and it's definitely something that will be a one-off for me personally um but, but I, I really 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 want to do it and of course for for i know we had a discussion a few weeks back about the value of the um i hate to call it it but lucasfilm star wars franchise um so shares of walt disney are up 127 percent since they purchased lucasfilm six years ago so i think it's fair to say they got their money's worth out of it some people and there's a brilliant clip i don't know if you've ever heard of samuel l jackson saying that george lucas got ripped off by only getting four billion for it he might just be right you know <sighs> yes but I, I suppose it was what it was worth at the time yeah no definitely because, yeah Dis- disney have, i might there, there are naysayers you can't say that there aren't but for me disney have done a brilliant job yeah, the, they have they have reinvigorated the franchise. They've reintroduced it to new new people. They've done some phenomenal movies so far. Um, Rebels was brilliant, as you said. The comic book uh, reinvigoration has just been brilliant. Great artwork, um, novelizations. Yeah, so I'm I'm firmly in the camp that Disney are doing a good job at the moment. There's okay. there's been a stutter, but they're doing yeah. a good job. I do I do remember that. It's interesting how perceptions can change quite quickly. Um, I think if we'd been having this discussion four, maybe five months ago, we, we may have been slightly... A bit longer than that, actually. Yeah, we, we'd have been having a slightly different conversation. But what's happened since Solo has been, you know, Clone Wars back, um, Resistance out, new film going well, um, brilliant solo obviously um we've seen a, a reinvigoration of what disney have done with it but you know i think after the last jedi there are there are a few people knocking disney back then if you think back to it but i've got a question for you which is on the announcement you had bob Iger up there saying what a great deal it was and you also had george lucas saying that he was going to hand over the reins to kathleen kennedy but was going to be involved in the projects and what you've had since that is a really interesting thing that george lucas we've seen him on the set of the mandalorian very recently we've seen him on the set of solo Mm. pretty sure we saw him on the set of rogue one we've never ever seen him on any of the sets of the new trilogy which is quite Mm. interesting do you think george lucas has been involved enough since disney took over oh that's difficult to answer because if if you owned everything to do with Star Wars and you lived and breathed what Star Wars did meant and you created the, the most iconic characters 
um, such as uh, Vader and, and Luke. To then hand over the reins to someone else completely and to walk away and actually say, call me if you want me to be involved, I'm happy to be involved. Would they actually want you breathing over their shoulder? Would you Would you really want George Lucas to have a heavy involvement in it? Yeah. Or if if you've just paid four billion for it, don't you want to make your own mark and, and move it forward in your own way? Yeah. So maybe the saga, rightly or wrongly, um, maybe that's something that George Lucas has has either been manoeuvred away from, or he has actually said, you know what, I'm probably not best involved in this. Yeah, I I mean I think that I think there is an issue of control. I think George Lucas was in charge of pretty much everything on the Star Wars films that he was around for. And we're talking three years in advance. He was looking at uh, the the proposed frames, what would happen, what people would be wearing. He'd, he'd be so intrinsically in the detail. And my understanding is, is that um, Bad Robot, J.J. Abraham's company, one of the reasons he didn't direct the second film was because they had a huge fallout with Lucasfilm over creative control and the way that things were done because a lot of the Lucasfilm employees were obviously very loyal to George Lucas. And they yes. would say, this is what George would have done. No, you don't do that. And we saw, obviously, Industrial Light and Magic, a George Lucas company, did most of the special effects. But we did see some of that being taken away and going into the bad robot production sphere. Yes. And so you almost see that it was it was a necessity for him not to be involved in a way. However, and I, and I have articulated this before, I think to have a Skywalker saga without George Lucas heavily involved is a mistake because he knows those characters better than anyone. We saw that on the solo uh, DVD extra features where it's explained that he's the one who it shows in a, in a scene where Han just chucks his coat away. He would just drop it on the floor. He wouldn't put it up nicely because mm. that's not what he does. And he understands the characters because he created them. He was yes. them in many ways. Yes. Um, so I, I do think um, things like the way that Luke went would never have happened in The Last Jedi had George Lucas been involved. I definitely yes. think that. And okay. so I, I'm kind of torn. That, I, I, that, I think, okay, I, I was going to say, just, just sorry to interrupt you. There, there was, when Return of the Jedi was being made, there was an alternative, there was a suggestion that Luke could have gone dark and that he could have joined with his father. Right. Um that that was a story plot line that was discussed and, and ultimately discarded. So George Lucas did explore a dark side to Luke and, and explored the possibility of Luke falling from the light, for want of a better word, and he discarded it. That that is that wasn't the journey that he wanted Luke to go on. So sorry, so 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 yes, I, I agree with you. I don't I don't think he would have agreed with the way that episode yeah. one i also think that there was some artwork as well for revenge of the sith where um as obi-wan gets shot or doesn't get shot it's falling down uh, <laughs> into the pool of water he's sort of supposed to in some of the artwork see qui-gon at that point as a force ghost there is artwork uh, out there of that and george lucas apparently saw that and was like that is not how the force works that wouldn't happen and you know you look at some of the things that we saw in the latest films and you know we're seeing the force work in very new ways 
Um, you kind of wonder if he'd have said, actually, there's a purity to this and you've just gone a bit too far. Let's rein it back in a bit. And I think those sort of um, tidbits of advice of the creator um, actually would have made the films a bit better if you're going to have it in the Skywalker universe. If you're not going to have it in there, then fine. That's absolutely fine. If you went down the Rogue One route and had a familiar situation, but with whole new characters, then I think you don't need George Lucas. But to have his property, um, his creations, his characters, okay, updated, yes. But to have all those elements there and not consult him to any huge degree, I, I personally think it's a mistake. Yes, I agree. Well, um, going back to when I, well, Alex and myself were out in Germany for um, celebration. That was it. Yes. Celebration in Germany in 2013. Um, We met Ian McCaig completely um, off the cuff, not planned. Um, it was when we met Anthony Daniels. Uh, Anthony Daniels was actually having a meal with Ian McCaig um, and Ian McCaig's wife um, and child. Um, child, well, he was he was a youth. He was probably, he was probably a teenager. Um, so they were they were all sat together, and we were invited. Alex and myself were invited over, and we had a brief chat, um, which was just just absolutely awesome. But uh, the reason I, I bring this up now is because. Um, M. McCaig uh, designed uh, Darth Maul. Right. Uh, he also designed, uh, I think he also designed the dresses for Padme. I think mean, that was also another thing that he was uh, heavily involved in. But for me, it's the, the Darth Maul thing. Um, and he said at the time that one of the things that he has loved about doing what he did and creating iconic characters like Darth Maul was that you see them, he creates them and he, he sets the original tone for how they would, they would look and how they would feature. And he says he's, he enjoys seeing the artist reinterpretations. And so how Darth Maul has evolved over time um, visually, how he's been reinterpreted by different artists, how he's been um, reimagined, but but ultimately it's always going to be the same Darth Maul, if that makes sense. But yeah. he he he's enjoyed watching, and he used the term actually. He pointed across to his his son and said, "It's very similar to to you create your own child, um, but then the the child evolves and becomes something new and something." greater than what you initially created and i understand that um from 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 creating a character such as that but but that was for for, from the artist's perspective that's just how the character gets reimagined and and redeveloped it's not watching a character undergo a metamorphosis to, to be a different characterization, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to pull you up on that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it, it, it's one thing to watch the image be reinterpreted and redesigned and repurposed maybe for different media or for different um, different artistic tastes. 
even as far as as my Bandai collection of the movie realization figures, where um, my Darth Maul is actually a I think a Ronin samurai, which which looks absolutely superb. That's different to having the entire characterization, the 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 type of person how that person interacts with the galaxy, the, the, the wider galaxy that's been created, how that person interacts with other characters. To, to have that change so fundamentally, which is what happened in episode eight, I can see how, if I was George Lucas, that, that would be difficult to watch maybe. Yeah, and difficult to be to to be on the periphery of, and yeah. to 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 be almost like screaming in your own head. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, and 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 just because we, we've spoken about George Lucas being involved with some of the non-trilogy films, last week you had a discussion about there being no Boba Fett film. And I wasn't available. So I do just want to, first of all, thank you for knowing me so well, because you argued some of the points I would have made very, very well. But I'm actually not too disappointed that this film isn't going to happen. Um, I've, I, I think I've, I've said this before about other characters where I don't feel like I need to know their backstory anymore. And I think particularly with, with Boba Fett, a lot of the mystique of him was dissolved in the in the um, prequel trilogy by knowing that he was a, a clone um, of, of, of his father and then seeing some of his background story. And then we've seen quite a lot of him in um, the Clone Wars as well. Um, I don't I don't necessarily feel that that's needs explained anymore. So actually, I'm really glad that they've gone to the Mandalorian and that they are creating a new world outside of that. Um, so I, I, you're absolutely right. I just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was important that that I had a chance to, to vocalise how I felt about that. But it got me thinking, actually. So this is, this is a very personal thing, but there is so much Star Wars out there now because of Disney. And, 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 you know, I think it's great. I know that you and Alex, for example, read a lot of the books and the comics. And we've discussed before if there is too much Star Wars. And, you know, we always say there can't be enough. But I wonder if there is actually so much Star Wars now that the frequency of going back to previous material has been reduced because there's always something new out there and interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Certainly from my perspective, um, I by this time of the year, and I'll definitely watch all six of the films between now and Christmas, but um, I would have seen them a couple of times by now. I haven't. I bought Solo the day it came out on DVD. Haven't seen it. Again, I saw it in the cinema a few times. Um, I haven't watched The Last Jedi. Uh, I know you haven't, Dave, and I know lots of people on Twitter are very glad for you. I would like you to do so. Um, But, you know, for for me, not to watch a main Star Wars... uh, trilogy film uh, at least seven or eight times after it comes out on dvd is just unheard of and i wonder if there's just so much star wars now that you're kind of moving on to the next thing so quickly that you're not going back to the past material as much as you used to um i've asked other people in the council i think it's relatively stable they're seeing uh, the films 
perhaps not as much as they used to. I mean, Andy, I'm not sure he's ever actually ever really gone into the extended material, but he's only watched uh, The Last Jedi back once. Um, Alex has watched it a couple of times. Um, um, so he didn't watch it all the way through, then. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if, if the way that we consume Star Wars has changed because of the abundance of it because of the Disney takeover. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that's the entire reason because there's so many. Yeah. Okay. I would, I would agree with you that there's so many different ways of fixing your star Wars um, addiction these days. And that could be listening to fan based podcasts such as this. Um, Because I know that Alex listens to a lot of them. I know that you listen to quite a few. Um, I probably don't as much, um, in part because of the way I get to work every day. If I if I commuted more on public transport, then maybe I I possibly would actually. Um, but because of the way that I, I commute at the moment and I drive, I don't tend to listen to to things that I've got to actually pay attention to in the car. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, whereas I do read books and i read the comics um i do but i I even go back and and read books which i missed the first time around so i'm currently reading tarkin at the moment which is really good uh really enjoying that um so yeah there there are so many different channels so many different ways of tapping into star wars content even even if it's just interacting with other star wars fans on twitter which I, i tend to do a lot of so yeah, so maybe we don't have as much time. Maybe you can live, relive the the, the films that you've seen previously more vicariously through other yeah. people and through sharing things. So yeah. rather than actually watching it, you're listening or talking to other people and and obtaining their ideas around what Star Wars means. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and it, it, it's really interesting that to me. Um, there's there's a whole world that's that being connected up in a very different way, and we've discussed Marvel before, so I don't want to go into that. But it's definitely being connected up in a way that it wasn't before. So something like Resistance, um, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But the way it's tapping into pre um, pre The Force Awakens, um, yeah. you've got comic books going back and uh, changing history, but in a very interesting way. Um, you know, the books are adding depth. It's, I've, I've, I mean, I think it's incredibly exciting and really interesting. But it, it does make you think about the value of cinema and the one-off cinematic experience, particularly with the... Even though Solo did very well by normal film standards, didn't do as well by Star Wars standards. Um, and, and I wonder, as a result, when you see The Mandalorian and you see Bob Iger saying The Mandalorian is Lucasfilm's number one priority at the moment, and, you know... Boba Fett being cancelled. Are we moving to a platform now where Star Wars will be less in the cinema and more on our TV screens? I think this is a wider move by Disney as opposed to just being Lucasfilm focused. Um, Because if you look at other brands that Disney have acquired, Marvel being probably the the most... um, applicable you've got the mcu the marvel cinematic universe which is 
it's a quite it's it's a good machine. It works very well. For the most part, it produces very good movies at a fairly rapid pace. So you're looking at two to three movies a year. Again, I know that certain people might say that the the, the the superhero fatigue or whatever you, but for me, I'm still enjoying it and I'm still enjoying going to the cinema to watch Marvel movies. Um, but alongside that, you've got a massive growth in live action Marvel TV shows. So you had originally Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which I think was ABC. Um, you've more recently had uh, the Inhumans again. I think that's another ABC. If anything, that's almost like a spin-off from Agents of Shield because it covers some of the similar ground, and there's, there's an overlap between the two of them. But then you've got much closer links to. Well, I suppose they they tie quite nicely into the Avengers movies. But then you've also got the more recent tie up with Netflix with the likes of Daredevil, Iron Fist, um, Luke Cage and oh what's the lady character called? Um sorry I can't remember. Um so you've you've got those T V shows which are all being aired on Netflix. Now interesting over the last few weeks we're seeing those shows those shows being cancelled so yeah. luke cage has been cancelled iron fist has been cancelled jennifer jennifer jones, jones yes uh was the last one that's not yet been cancelled daredevil i don't think has yet been cancelled you've also got punisher on there which so far has just had one season and and at the moment they've not announced the second season but we know that Disney is about to launch their own streaming service, which will be a direct competitor to the likes of Netflix and Amazon. So is, is this a case of Disney, to go back to the Marvel thing initially, have they been creating the interest, whetting the appetite of the fans, creating these, these TV shows on other platforms – so that they can build the momentum for when they launch their own show, their, their own streaming service, allow them to start creating Luke Cage, um, Iron Fist, and, and so on, directly for their own channel rather than through somebody else. Um, and that, for me, so far, the Marvel have, have done a fantastic job of moving what's been big action movies onto the small screen and making them very profitable, but also on a, on a lower budget, but still making them feel like they're, they're well-made, well-directed, well-produced pieces of work and, and grabbing the fans and making, making people who might not go to the cinema to watch an MCU movie, but will pick up a TV show of Daredevil or will pick up a TV show of Luke Cage, because the, the, it gives them the, the opportunity to really develop. I mean, I, the, 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 sorry. I, um, things like Jennifer Jones has given them the, Jessica Jones, sorry, has given them an opportunity to really develop a female superhero character, which is a first for Marvel. Um, and they've, they've been able to do it on a small budget, relatively they've been able to do it in a tv show which makes it bite size but could potentially bring in 
fans who wouldn't have gone to the cinema because they won't be interested in watching a big superhero movie. Instead, they're watching something which is more about the personal development of a female character who just happens to be a superhero. Um, similarly with Luke Cage, rather than going out there and producing a big budget action movie with a black superhero, which they've done with Black Panther, but has allowed them to explore that, try and tap into US, um, particularly US, uh, culture um, linked to black America. And that, that has been a great thing for them to actually build up with Luke Cage. So it's allowed them to explore new themes, new ideas in a fairly safe environment with a smaller budget that they can cancel if, if it doesn't work with no real egg on the face if it didn't work. And now they can port that across to their own streaming service and they then own the entire environment. They own the production, they own the characters, they own the the distribution channel. So it allows them a full sandbox where they can control everything. And I can see Disney now moving, now that they've made that that model work for Marvel or pretty much work for Marvel for me it works it, it, it so far they're not failing on it is this an opportunity for them to do the same with Lucasfilm yeah I do I do wonder though um so to go back to Marvel obviously one phase four now where there's always been continuous moving forward and development. And and I've, and I think I've made this argument before that I haven't seen that progress with Lucasfilm and Star Wars as much as I would have liked. Um, I think the Mandalorian is perhaps the game changer and the end of this trilogy, perhaps we'll see a male, a more forward looking rather than backwards looking Star Wars. So I agree that there's opportunities with that. I think there has been cross learnings as well in that, I don't think the Marvel model works for Lucasfilm because um, uh, despite uh, what Andy may say, I, I think uh, I think Star Wars is far more loved by its fans as it is. You know, with comic books, you've got, I mean, how many different versions of Spider-Man are there? <laughs> yes. So yes. there's not one version of the Spider-Man. I mean, also. there is the Peter Parker one, which is the sort of um you know defined one but but there are many many versions whereas there is one luke skywalker yes there is only that, one. that yeah i would say that's more a marvel thing that is a dc thing yeah if, if that makes sense there is only one batman there's been a multiple of robins but there's only one batman yeah but there's it only means one superman that you have more creative license to pick and choose and go to different parts Yes. I don't think you can do that with Star Wars. And I think Disney have learnt their lesson with that now, um, judging by bringing about the Clone Wars and, and you know, what it looks like is um, a fan-friendly version of the Mandalorian from the bits that we've seen with the weapon that's involved. Perhaps I think that was in a previous computer game. Um, it, was, um, it was the, believe it or not, it was the holiday special, which you probably have still not watched. I have not watched it's from the holiday special. It's something right. that I believe that um, Boba Fett was carrying. Right. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, no, I haven't watched it. I have it on DVD, but I've not watched it. Um, <laughs> too scared to. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad. It was. It isn't that bad. You've seen The Last Jedi. It's not that bad. Oh. 
<laughs> oh god um, but um so so i think i think they've learned their lesson and i i think it's exciting i think i think that people will consume media in different ways we see film stars more in tv shows i think you see better quality of tv shows than you did 10 yeah. 15 years ago um so i don't think there's any reason why this can't be a real success um and i'm looking forward to see where it goes um i think i think I'd rather have better quality of films than rushed Star Wars films would be my version of it. Not to say that 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 Solo wasn't a great film and that was fairly rushed, but yeah, it was. But if it takes three years to make an unforgettable Star Wars film, take three years, that and then and then have good TV shows to supplement it. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I, I can't say I fault that. On the flip of that. There's so much creative talent in Disney. There's so much creative talent in Lucasfilm. There's no reason why they can't have multiple concurrent movies in production at the same time and give all of them enough room to breathe. So there's there's no reason why you couldn't have five movies all in production, all at different stages of production, all taking three years to produce. Do you know what? I I don't agree with you just because of what we've seen happen in the last few years, where it has been a bit of a mess. Um, but that's having, because I think it's been. It's, yeah, I don't think. You know, not one. It's because film. they have rushed them out. Yeah, but Rogue One started with one director ends with another in a rewrite. Exact same thing. For, but for, yeah, but, for but the, why for, is that happening? Because they can't control multiple films being produced at once. But they can do that in Marvel. They have a different structure and team, don't they? And I think they have, I think they allow greater control of the assets as such than Lucasfilm does, judging by how if a director goes in a certain way, um, they have no problem with sacking someone if it's not going the way they think a Star Wars film should go. Oh, does this bring us back to the fact that the person at the head of the ship is going wrong there? Possibly, but maybe they've just learned. Um, okay, well, she's brilliant at her job. We just can't do multiple films at once. And so let's keep her. Let's create great films. And as you say, you could have like two or three films in production at once, but have them with three-year timelines instead of a year and a yeah. half timelines. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's what I think. I mean, if, if you go back to them purchasing Star Wars or Lucasfilm back in 2012, the first movie then came out in 2015. So that was three-year production. Uh, on the basis that they started straight away they probably didn't it probably took them six months just to to work out exactly what they wanted to do then they started production two and a half years you have a brand new movie rogue one though was about a year and a half yeah um the last jedi was about a year and a half yeah solo was less than that it was about 14 months yeah so that's i think that maybe is the mistake there yeah and they've given the new film a lot more time episode they have they have but then there's there's a lot of things to fix yeah well but but they they obviously one of the things they need to fix is their own production timelines and given enough time for post-production and enough time for rewrites and creative differences because you'd rather have a product that um everyone can enjoy is looked at scrutinized and said well that doesn't quite make sense you know as you did with some of the last jedi things which i didn't see straight away you know if you have it if you have an extra year you've got more time to look at those and go well actually 
we need to rethink this pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and, and my sense is, is if you give films that amount of time, you, you get a better product. So I'm, I'm in favour of that. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm not arguing that. I, I just think that they could do multiple movies at the same time. They seem to struggle with that as a concept at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and I go back to the fact that I don't understand why they struggle with that as a concept when you consider that that Marvel, owned by the same company, yeah. are managing to produce multiple movies a year to, to, to production runs that might be two to three years long, but they're still managing to guide the films through that period whilst also looking after multiple TV shows at the same time that are all doing fairly well, whilst also looking after comic books, which are doing fairly well. Yeah. So it is possible to have multiple channels all working concurrently, all of them feeding into each other and having crossovers, because you've got crossovers between the MCU and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You've got crossovers between... Um, MCU and the um, Luke Cage uh, and Daredevil mini universe within the wider uh, Marvel universe. It is possible. And other parts of Disney have proven that that's possible. Yeah. Maybe they should should look to what works in Marvel, why it works in Marvel. I'm not saying the Marvel product is better. I'm not saying that the Marvel product is something I prefer because I, I prefer Star Wars. It'll always be, be the place I'll go back to. Yeah. Um, I do think though, learn there, things. Yeah. I do think though, there is a huge difference um, between, as, as we said, like the first time you see um, Steve Strange or four and you see a continuation on a film, you allow him to change and grow. I don't think people's head cannons, for example, when you're create when you're dealing with Han Solo, you know what you expect from Han Solo. You know, people like Kira, Dryden Voss, new characters, they can creatively grow. But yes. we know Han Solo and we want Han Solo to be Han Solo. And I don't think Marvel has to deal with that same pressure with those type of characters. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but there's no reason why Okay, on that basis, there's no reason why Disney, uh, Lucasfilm, are not pushing out into multiple new areas Agreed. going forwards. Agreed. They, they they could be spending three years producing quality movies yeah. about a different time period in the Star Wars universe, about different characters, even in an established time period. Yeah. There's well, no reason why we can't do that. I, I agree. Um, and actually, um, I, that, that brings us on to something. We'll do it a slightly different way, Dave. Um, talk about resistance right now, because when you think about resistance, um, you're introduced to Poe Dameron right at the beginning as the established character. But yeah. he's not in it very long. He no. sets the other ones up on their journey. And I thought that's actually quite a clever way to do it to have an established character, but, but then just let the new people get on with their things. Now, whether you like it or not, and I'm going to get my first chance to talk about resistance, which I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, <laughs> it's not all going to be great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 I thought it was a good way to set the character up. I agree. I agree. I know. Um, I haven't got any problem with that. That's it's quite a clever way of establishing the time, yeah. the place and the settings. Yeah. 
So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about resistance for a little bit, Dave. Um, I, as I've said before, big fan of Robotuck Macro Macross Saga. Um, having watched this, I saw great similarities between uh, the two um, animes in terms of style. Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm struggling with resistance in a way that I haven't with any other previous Star Wars entity. It's just not hitting the notes for me. To me, and uh, I watched it with my girlfriend, and she said to me it was a bit like Final Fantasy or an RPG game where it says, this is what you need to do. Then it goes on to explain, this is how we've done it. And then this is what happens. And it keeps going on, like cutscene, small bit of action. Cutscene, small bit of action. And that really resonated with me. Um, I'm not I'm not anti it because I think it's for a different audience. Um, to me, there isn't particularly much mythology which i find disappointing at the minute there isn't much um uh excitement or unanswered questions right now i think that will change as we progress um but i'm as a start goes i don't think it's been the strongest start ever and i've heard what everyone else said on the podcast um i'm obviously going to stick with it i'm going to keep watching with it i'm going to hope it gets better um, but I know you've watched the two latest episodes, Dave, where you're introduced at last to an ace pilot. Um, you find out that resources are tight on the Colossus, which is where they're based, because um, the First Order have a deal and they're still up to something. Um, and and there's, a, there's also an interesting reference to uh, someone who I think we'd all like to see. Uh, in, in the program in the last episode do you want to do you want to talk a bit more about your experiences of the last couple of episodes since we last spoke about it on the podcast yeah um so the most recent one we're introduced to a brand new first order officer uh captain pyre i think um who wears a golden suit of armor very similar to to uh captain phasma's silver armor it's, it's just a very gold version of that that same uniform um, without the cape, um, but with a, a shoulder pauldron, um, which I, I, it's it's kind of cool. It implies that there are other officers, and each of them are given um, shiny metallic armor. Um, so that's in a way to to go back to what you said about the the the, the mythology of Star Wars. That's that's now setting up the idea and the canon perhaps that different officers have got different metal suits of armor um which is quite a nice idea rather than captain phasma being a one-off for some reason um so i like that um there's reference made to kylo ren it's the first time that this is discussed it's almost the way it's discussed, it's discussed in such a way that no one knows who Kylo Ren is. No one knows what Kylo Ren is. And his, his name is almost like mentioned in hushed tones uh, as though he was some type of creature, Kylo Ren, who was was involved in this. So if you'd never seen the movie before, it's, it's quite a good way of introducing a dark demon style character. Um, possibly the the most recent episode is the darkest that we've seen so far, because it it does it does almost imply that there's this evil rather than just naughty pirates, which is what we'd seen previously. It it almost implies that there is actual evilness out there, 
um, which I like because that's 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 moving into maybe a more mature tone, uh, something that's been lacking in the other episodes. And you also see Kylo Ren's shuttle, or at least a shuttle that looks like Kylo Ren's, which again implies that either Kylo Ren hires out his shuttle to <laughs> other troopers, um, or um, there is more than one shuttle that is modelled on the on the style of Kylo Ren's. Um, and, and I joke about um, hiring out his shuttle. Now, if we go back to what you said about Poe Dameron being in the very first episode, he's hired out BB-8. So if yeah. he's prepared to hire out his best friend, yeah. then why isn't Kylo Ren prepared to hire out his shuttle? Yeah. There's this weird thing, isn't there, that somehow they've got to be reunited at some point. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't understand. Well, I do know. I actually I have a very solid theory about why BB-8's in it. But I don't understand if if you were... Oh, I'm trying to think of a, of a real life... There isn't a real life one that you could use, really, is there? Can you imagine Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars turning around to a guy that he's only just met and saying, you can have R2 um, and I'll, I'll see him again in about two years' time. No. No, I can't. No. No, neither could I. Um, the same as you, you couldn't have Luke Skywalker when he then owned R2-D2 turning around and saying, you can have R2 for a while. I'll let you know when I want him back. Yeah. Because they treat these droids as though they're people. So to give him to somebody else just feels a little bit wrong. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. No, hundred um, percent. But I don't know why they've done that. They've done it because BBA has a massive resonance with children. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's for. And that ties into what this show is. This show is a child's show more yeah. so than any other animation that, that Lucasfilm has produced previously. And I can understand why, and I've got no issue with that. I've got no issue with the route that the story's going. It's, so far, I, might, I admit this, this last episode, I had, as I said, is a, a darker story, um, a more mature story than we've seen of the others. Um, but so far, the, the, the overall feeling I've had of the, the show is that it's, and this links into what you just said about the, the small cutscenes. It's targeting children, I would say, primary age. So yeah. it's, it's, it's older than preschool. It's not a preschool. Preschool is Bob the Builder. I did make that throwaway comment on Facebook recently. Um, it's Bob the Builder's preschool. This is not preschool. I would say that this is probably primary age children. So up to about eight, ten-year-old children tops. That, yeah. That's, for me, where it seems to be aimed at. Um, and so when you consider the type of TV children of that age watch, it tends to be small cutscenes. It tends to be um, stories that have got a moral element, but they tend to be fairly minor moral elements, more about don't tell lies, you shouldn't really cheat people, you should be good to your friends. And that that's the type of story that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. Um, which is all very positive role model style cartoons that is for a certain age group. 
and it, it, it just it's just following that type of path for me it, it's not something i'm going to carry on watching it because it's good to see things like the gold um uh captain pyre appearing it's good to see um color and shuttle being used it's good to to maybe get some of this mythology that that is lacking so far in in the new sequel um trilogy um and some of the backstory of how we've ended up with the first order and and the resistance so for me it's i'll watch it from that perspective but i'm not expecting highbrow emmy style animation that that we did have with the clone wars because clone wars did win emmys because of its content and because of how well it was written because of how well it was produced but also because of the 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 story itself and the tone of the story and and how well it was put together i'm not expecting that level of depth in resistance not at the moment yeah my my I mean, one of my big problems with it is I'm watching it because I love Star Wars, not because I love yes. the show. Yes, I would and agree. I think, and I think that's... I've never felt that way before. And it's very... Watch it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm watching it for the little ticks when I see something. Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I quite like that. Yeah. I'm not I'm, watching it because I'm... I, I'm to yeah. be fair, I, I couldn't give a monkeys if Kaz fell off the platform tomorrow and we never saw him again. No, me neither. So I'm really excited about Colossus and, you know, I think it could become a bit of the star of the show itself. And there's also some interesting tidbits, you know, like, are oh, you going to take the Mickey out of me for this day? But I can't remember. What was the gold guy's name at the beginning of The Force Awakens who Kylo Ren goes to interrogate? What was his name? Um, Law Santeca. Law Santeca. Yes, that's the one. Yes. That's the one. That's the one. Because what was his backstory? Well, you don't actually find out that much about him. Um, he's he's implying that he could have done more previously. He's implying because he sat with Poe Dameron, isn't he, in, in his hut, and he he's, when he hands over this bit of the star map to um, Poe Dameron, he he says something along the lines of, "This will begin to make right." Um, or make things right, or something like that. Um, he also hints quite heavily that he knew um, Leia, because he says she will always be a princess to me. Yeah. So I mean, I'm in two minds when you, when you say that this this might go into some of that backstory. I don't know if he ties into this. Well, you've because, got the characters there in place, yeah. and we know it's set just before the Force Awakens. It is, but he's implying that he knew Kylo Ren because when you see him and Kylo Ren face off before Kylo Ren then kills him, spoiler alert for anybody that's not seen Force Awakens, um, you you see him confront him where Kylo Ren says, you've grown old. Yes, that's true. And he turns around and calls him Ben. Yeah. And says, yeah. And, and look at what you have become. Yeah. So, okay. so there's there's an implication there that he actually knew the the Solo family. Yeah. Well, that could be exciting. I don't know. We've already yes. seen a bit of uh, Leia, so you never know. Um, Kylo Ren has already converted. Kylo Ren is now now a, an actual piece yeah. on the game board. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not Ben. Yeah. 
Yes. But it's, 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 you see, these are the sort of things which I'd like them to go into. And this yes. might be that horrible fan headcanon stuff, which I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing I would like to see happen. Um, but we're probably not going to get it. You're right. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I just think it's maybe the wrong time period. Yeah. Maybe if you've gone back 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so just by, by the sound of it, uh, Luke's academy has already failed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because you've heard the name Kylo Ren, so. Yes. And Starkiller Base has already been built. Yes. Yes. And Sarah right. on the Outer Rim, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, so interesting times ahead. Um, I hope it gets a bit a bit better than it has been so far. That's my sort of feedback and <sighs> sense of it. That's not to say it's not good for children. It's just no, not, no, it's I, not, I, yeah. It's just not hitting it for me right now, which no. is. Odd. <laughs> and I've seen that a lot online at the moment. There's a lot of comments around that. Yeah, and maybe it's because people, and, it, and again, maybe it's the fans that are at fault here, and maybe not so much Disney. Um, or Lucasfilm, or um, or maybe Lucasfilm should have said that this this is a children's show, yeah, or more children focused show because the fans are so used to animation now that isn't purely kiddie centric. Yeah, when you you think of how dark the Clone Wars started to go in at uh, times, yeah, and I saw online recently where. Um, Daniel Rogan, is it? Who played um, he played Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones, but he also played the voice actor right. as the voice actor in the cartoons yeah. for the young um, um, uh, Boba Fett. Um, right. Now he hinted that the the story arc he did it online recently. I remember reading it somewhere. Um, he hinted that the story arc for Boba was going to become a little bit more impressive um, and a little bit darker and a little bit more of how he started to build his own reputation um, prior to, to obviously the, the original trilogy era. Um, I even hinted something about him and Cad Bane facing off. Right. Um so again, I mean that that would have been a cool thing to have seen in the Clone Wars. You, I mean, you, the, you had the takedown of um, Darth Maul and Savage Opress by or Savage Opress by um, Palpatine. Yeah, I mean that that was brutal. You, no, you the, yeah, you saw the murder of Satine by Darth Maul. So the the Clone Wars became quite a a mature content TV show that that didn't hold back. It would go full violence, yeah, um, and quite emotive violence. It, it wouldn't. It wasn't just violence for violence' sake. It was violence where you actually cared about some of the characters and what happened to them. Um, and similarly with Rebels, when what you saw with Kanan, uh, yeah. Again, a character that you were heavily invested in, very well liked by by the fans, and there was no compunction with going down a quite a dark path with him. First, yeah. blinding him, yeah. then 
having him fall out with the force because he wasn't certain of his position anymore, um, ultimately coming ground back to the light and deciding, no, I, I am a Jedi, but ultimately falling as a yeah. warrior in battle. Yeah. Um, and these, these are quite mature themes. And so I think the fans have got used to that. You don't look at, at Star Wars animation and think a kid's show. You look at Star Wars animation and think quite mature content packaged up in quite a, a, a child-like, child-friendly package, maybe. Yeah. But the content isn't. Whereas maybe if Resistance had actually been advertised as a as a no this is pre this is this is junior high maybe for for the american audience or primary school for us um maybe that would have set expectations a little bit better people have come into this expecting the same level of story and we're not getting it not at the moment anyway yeah i think that's a good place to leave that and i don't want to spend too much time on this but there's a story doing the rounds which i think came out of variety today about jj abrahams who's obviously directing episode nine um and and he is what's happened is is that several major hollywood studios are courting jj abrahams because he's looking at landing a lucrative mega deal and by that it means that he thinks that he should be writing directing uh creating films television series digital series music games consumer products theater park opportunities based off of franchises now this is not a steven spielberg who created et this is not a george lucas who's created um uh, star wars he's, he's someone who's done a decent job at you know bringing things back to life um if you were kathleen kennedy would you sign him up immediately and get him on board for the next Star Wars trilogy? I don't know. I think, like you just said then, he's very good <coughs> at repurposing other people's content. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of something that was fresh and original from him in the last few years. Cloverfield and the last one of those was sold directly to Netflix because they were scared of the box office takings. I quite liked both Cloverfield. I like the first one and the second one. The second one didn't feel like it was related to the first one until the very end, to be honest. It's um, the third one that was sold to Netflix, wasn't it? Was it the third one? So what was the, the second one? The second one was the one where they were in a bunker. Ah, right. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So I've never seen that one. I saw the first one and the third one. Right. Um, and the third one, yes, it really doesn't feel linked to the first one at all in times. Um, and I like the third one. Um, yeah. He obviously created Lost. He did create Lost. But what, what is, what's that, 12, 15 years ago now? Yeah, I think it's quite famous for having lost its way as well. Yeah. Um and so, so did Cloverfield, to be fair. Whilst I enjoyed them, I saw those two movies as standalone movies. Yeah. They didn't feel like they were, they were parts of a whole. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that he's not good. I'm not saying that no. he's not a, a good, good <coughs> excuse me, a good producer of content. Yeah. Um, but he's not a Steven Spielberg. He's no. not a George Lucas. 
He's not a a, um, James Cameron. No, no. And I mean, I I, I know, again, I've (coughs) resuscitated content from me, but with Star Trek 1 and 2, I'm kind of glad that he is no longer as involved with Star Trek as he once was. Um, I felt like he hit a bit of a creative roadblock when it came to some original thinking rather than bringing stuff up which had been done before. Um, I I do... I would I would severely think twice about him being given unfettered control with a with a great franchise like Star Wars or something like that. Um, I would suggest that if Lucasfilm had full confidence in him, he'd have done the second film as well as the first and the third. Yes. Uh, so, but he's 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 very good at what he does and. Um, yeah, good good luck to him, but I don't really have much more to add to that unless you do. <coughs> no, I'd, I'd tell you who they should give that type of opportunity to. Dave Filoni. Yes, yes, yes. I do also think the fact that this opportunity exists for him shows that Hollywood's going for a real creative dearth at the moment of any type of original film or content. <laughs> we, we were, okay, we were discussing this as a group earlier this year. Yeah, I remember the podcast. How- yeah, how many movies are we seeing at the moment that are remakes? We're just about to get another new Robin Hood movie. Yeah, a new Rocky film. Yeah, Creed. Yeah, um, just I, I I enjoyed it, but we've just seen the latest Johnny English one. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, Queen, Queen. Okay, Bohemian Rhapsody. That is a brand new movie, brand new content. You could argue that it's an historical uh, biography. Biopic, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fresh, it's something different, it's a very different style. So, for me, that, that feels newer than a lot of other things that I'm seeing at the moment at the cinema. Yeah. Still not an original so, idea, though, is it? It's, it's like it's even not First Man. Idea. So, you know, which which has got some good reviews. But anyway, uh, I, I shall move on because this is something which I'm really, really interested in. And I and I realise um, we're, we're, we're doing pretty well for time. Um, Darth Vader's Castle. Dave, have you been reading the latest comic book series or are you waiting until it comes out in a huge, um, lovely package where you can read them all at once? I'm, I'm waiting for the package because that's what I've done with all the others. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true because I then just consume them all in one big thing. And I did I did that previously with the Darth Moore comics, except I did that online and, and waited for them all to be all to be published and then watched them as one or, or read them as one entire story from end to end. Um, I, I do prefer that, to be fair. Okay. Well, hopefully I'm not. Uh, catching you too unprepared as I have done before and Alex has as well but um, as you know fans have always been fascinated um, with Mustafa and in particular after Rogue One uh, Darth Vader's castle and what was within it and so in the latest um, comic book series Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith, the 22nd issue of this comic book um, has been exploring the darkest secrets of Mustafa and Vader's home. And it reveals more about the Sith Lord. Could be Momin, could be Momin. My inability to pronounce names is, is getting quite legendary. Um, who, even, <laughs> who even Palpatine. Shmi. <laughs> or sh- Shimmy, as some of us refer to worse. it. I could have a northern accent. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, Momin Momin, whatever. <laughs> who even Palpatine regarded as a dangerous heretic and whose life force lives on in a terrible mask which the Emperor gives to Vader. Um, and together, Vader and Momin create the iconic castle and imbue it with evil power for a really quite odd and terrible purpose, which is that Vader has requested well Vader has chosen Mustafar because of the uh, dark side energies in the planet and also obviously the site of his greatest defeat by Obi-Wan um, and and so Palpatine charges the chief imperial architect Alva Bren to build Vader's fortress there and gifted his apprentice the mask um, and then the mask reveals its power by murdering Bren, possessing her assistant and offering up his own designs for the fortress that Vader then inhabits. Now, this is where it gets really, really dark because um, it's not just a home for Vader, but it does look like he's using it to harness and focus the dark power to bring back or at least communicate with Padme. So we know that... uh, Everything about Anakin's fall to the dark side has been Padme related. And so after her death, this means he wasn't just consumed with the rage and negative feelings, but he was obsessed with bringing her back. So, Dave, where does this leave us? I I quite like the idea of a Sith imbuing an artifact with the force ghost for want, for want of a better word, I guess. Like a Horcrux, like in Harry Potter. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is something that's been explored in, in other things other than Harry Potter. Um, I think, um, fantasy novels going back the last 20, 30 years, there's, there's been a recurring theme of the idea that, Evil, it's normally evil um, uh, magic users, for want of a better word, are able to imbue an artifact with their their life force as they're dying or, or what have you. And obviously then that's found by somebody and that then causes issues. So I quite like the idea of it. I've got no issue with the idea of it. Um, and it it's quite good because it expands canon with regards to uh, the Sith and sheds more light on where the new Lucasfilm want to take the Sith and, and develop their backstory. So I haven't got an issue with that. Um, I haven't got an issue with any of it, to be fair. I'm not, I'm not implying that I do have. Um, I d- yeah, I don't know. I'm assume, assuming that ultimately it fails and that it doesn't bring Padme back and um, or, or even managed to contact her because if if he did, if he had been successful, would he still be the um, Dark Lord of the Sith that we see by the time of the original trilogy? Yeah. Yeah. It gets quite dark though when you start to think about did he bring Padme's body yes. from Naboo to Mustafa? And, you know, it's. <laughs> I like dark, but that's just kind of weird. 
Mm, ne- necrophilia almost isn't it yeah it's 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 touching some very un- unpleasant themes but it does it does also open up and some people have been speculating this about will kylo ren go to the castle in episode nine there's you know long been um it was almost an assumption again could be headcanon that we'll see a flashback to darth vader or a force ghost of darth vader um, and the and the idea would be that Kylo Ren actually goes back to find out some secrets from the past there. I mean, that'd be quite cool yeah. to see that because I I mean, whilst I'm not the biggest fan of Rogue One, I can appreciate just how beautiful that scene was. Um, yeah. Stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning. So I would I I think that would be actually kind of cool if they did do that. Yes. Yeah. I, what we've Revels opening up the idea of time travel as well. Yeah, you've got a lot of things that you can mess around with regards to to allowing different characters to interact with each other outside of of what we've already seen as as linear timescales. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I think it's I think it's a series worth keeping an eye on. And if and if there are big developments, I think I'd be pretty keen to to go through it all. And maybe once we have the whole series, do do something a little bit bigger with this because it seems to me to be. I think it's I think it's something that Disney has done well when they've gone back to some original source material and come up with some new ideas around it, which yes. which which surprise you. I'm not a big fan of when it's something where you're like, oh, I kind of saw that coming. But when it's something like this, you just think, I, I did not see anything like this coming from a mile away. Well, that said, I mean, one thing that I have liked about the cartoon series of, of Darth Vader is the way that they have really built his character outside of what you thought you knew, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I like the way that they introduced the idea of him turning... Um, a lightsaber kyber crystal to the dark side by by just focusing his anger and hatred on it um and i like that i like i like the idea of that the fact that the, the because we'd already had established that um lightsaber crystals the kyber the, the original kyber crystals um were attuned to the jedi that wields them and that the the, the 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 crystal calls to the um, Jedi or the Padawan yeah. at the time, and that yeah. that was established as part of the Clone Wars cartoons, and I quite liked that. Now yeah. at the time, um, it was always positioned that the um, Sith blades came from synthetic crystals rather than being natural crystals, yeah. which is why they they had the red hue. Um, whereas now, Lucasfilm have moved completely away from that as an idea. And have come down on the idea that the the red is because of all the the anger and hatred that the the Sith pours into the crystal, and so breaks the crystal and makes re, re, reinforges the crystal, I guess, um, and in tune to them and their a hatred and anger. Um, and I like that. I like I like the idea of that. So I've been impressed with the way that. The, the cartoons have developed what we thought we knew about Vader 
and taken him on quite a dark journey, really. Um, you know he was evil. You know that he was twisted and bitter coming out of revenge um, and, and moving into a new hope. But it's, it's quite good to be following his his descent into hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think some of, like you said, like the Kyber crystals is an area of great fascination for me and the way that they've changed it. And I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So I think it's it's time to really wrap up, Dave. But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about our um, Star Wars competition that we're currently running. There's still a few days left in which you can enter by just um, retweeting the pin tweet, uh, making sure you like us at the Jedi Council and then having a Star Wars selfie. Um, it's it's a fantastic prize. Um, I'm gutted that I'm not going to be there with the rest of the council. Um, I've been to the Royal Albert Hall many, many times. Uh, I saw the Space Spectacular there, which was effectively uh, Star Trek and E.T. and plenty of Star Wars. And the acoustics in that place and the history combined with the fact that you'll be listening to the orchestra that actually created or sorry, played that music for the very first time. Mm. has to be an opportunity not to be missed. I mean, the truth is, is that they would have been doing episode seven and eight had it not been to the ill health of, of John Williams. And unfortunately, we saw that that, that came to, to real fruition, as discussed on the last podcast, when he came over to London. Um, he That's the reason why they're not recording it here, is he's not healthy enough to do it. Otherwise, the London Symphony Orchestra would be doing those films. They They are the Star Wars soundtrack. They are incredible. The person who gets to go and see that live will remember it forever. Remember, the Royal Albert Hall has done Star Trek many times. It's done Harry Potter. It's done James Bond. It's never done Star Wars. Ever. Not once. They couldn't get the permission. They couldn't do it. And now they have. And you can be there at no cost to yourself other than the transport to London and back from wherever you live. And maybe a couple of pints, Dave. But, you know... What an opportunity that is. I'm so gutted that I'm not going to be there. But as you know, when I very first started this, Alex is Mr. Disney. I'm going to be in Orlando. I'm determined to be there as much as he is. That's the reason I'm going. (laughs) That's never going to happen. No, it's actually impossible. Um, (laughs) But but it's a great prize. You're going to have the best time. The Jedi Council are fantastic people. And, you know, I feel privileged to talk to them about star wars and you're just going to have a great time and and to be honest i think if you can be there just make it just just enter it's just the best prize and you're gonna have the best time with the best people and dave i just don't know why you wouldn't enter no um well i've paid (laughs) quite happily paid for these tickets and i believe the tickets for the most part, I've sold out. I've had a quick look online recently. You can still buy some tickets, but they're the 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 not. We've we've got the tickets that we've got. We bought them on opening morning as soon as the 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 tickets went on sale. Um, I I bought them actually um, initially, um, and I remember being in the queue 
waiting for my opportunity to, to, to purchase them. And we've got seats. You've, you've got the ground floor of the, the venue. And then you've got around that um, just where the, the seats start to rise up in tiers before it gets to the boxes. And we're in those tiers be just before the boxes. So you're, you're looking out across the audience in front of you. We're at the back of the hall so that you've got a pretty clear view of all of the screen almost straight on. Um, we're only just off centre. Um I think the seats that are now left are either the, the really expensive boxes, which are £200 a person, um, or seats quite close to the screen at the sides where obviously you're not going to get as good a view. So, yeah, um, the, these are really good tickets. Um, we've got one to give away. Um, you get the chance to spend a few hours with with the Jedi Council, I don't know if that's that's a plus or not. To be fair, um, you get to talk about Star Wars. Although I would actually ask that you don't talk during the the, the actual production itself because we'll be so engrossed in that. Um, but no, I, it, it's it's a great prize. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who enters. I'm looking forward to to having a look at the selfies, um, getting an understanding of how much of a fan you are when you when you enter because um, this is this is a, a definitely a prize for the fans it's not a prize for non-star wars fans which is why we've we've asked that people interested in in entering the competition post star wars theme selfie we don't want to open this up to just just anybody who enters every competition that goes out there which is why we're doing it in the way that we're doing it um and that's been good because it's prevented people from applying who just apply for any competition out there um, just because they want to win a, win a prize. We want a Star Wars fan. We want a Star Wars mega fan, someone who's going to appreciate what the prize means, love Star Wars as much as we do. Um, it'll be great. Uh, it's less than two weeks away now. I, I can't wait. Really can't wait. Yeah, no, it's a great prize. We've had some great entries already, um, some really strong entries indeed, but there's still yes, time. We yes. can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Um, so I think we're ready to wrap up for the day there, Dave. Have you got anything you'd like to say, any last thoughts? Because obviously we're without Mera, Andy and Alex today. Um, so uh, it's been a pleasure yeah. to be in your company. And yours, and yours. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's, it's, it, uh, I'll go back to, to what we did on Thursday night and just an opportunity to meet you, which has been great, um, rather than just, just this, this voice in the background. Um, so that was great. And, yes, uh, thank you to Disney for buying Lucasfilm, for reinvigorating the Star Wars franchise, for giving us some great movies, for giving us some great TV shows, for giving us great comics and great novels. Thank you, Disney, for that. And then personally, thank you for Disney in the UK for giving us a bit, a bit of an insight into um, Disney UK um, offices. Thank you very much for that. Really appreciated that. You, you, you made an old man very happy. Not that old, Dave. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that sounds... 
absolutely brilliant way to finish it we are the jedi council you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the jedi underscore council you can obviously look at our articles on the jedi council website um if you do listen to us on soundcloud or itunes please do like the uh podcast you listen to leave a comment really really helps us and of course may the force be with you the force will be with you always